You're listening to Red Nation Online. Saturday, March 3rd, Steve Perry, I'm Ian Clark. We're back from BMO Field after witnessing some bizarro TFC drop the season opener 2-0 to the Columbus crew. This was not the side we all remember from three months ago, as the team looked disjointed, unfocused, and just not as determined as the crew. Of course, the Reds will have the reigning champions target on their back all season, so it'll become a matter of how quickly can they integrate these new additions and recast that mentality from 2017 that made history. We discuss all things from the opener, from the cup to the pitch, and then look ahead to the midweek against Tigres. It's all that and more on the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. I think that's a good enough start. We are back, Steve. We're not. We're back from BMO Field, sort of. Listener, we are at CIUT. Steve's home away from home. It's true. At the place we plug for every Sunday night. I'm sitting here. In the studio. This is exciting. This is exciting stuff. Sure, sure. We're back, and I guess there's a moment to breathe. There's a smile on our face when there shouldn't be. Trying to see... Yeah, we pretty yeah, pretty. Actually, we'd be uh, scowling, right? Yeah. After the result that we just saw, so we're back from what? We're back from the first o- the season opener, the home opener, MLS season kickoff. Not the first game of the year, but the first MLS game of the year, and against our arch rival, Columbus Crew. I mean, let's, that, this is the team that we never want to lose against. Throwing away the Chilean Cup, and at Steve. one point, <laughs> well, <laughs> there's that too. At one point, I was thinking, well, so no mention of the Trillium Cup. Yeah, oddly um, enough, oddly enough, of all the things they mentioned. All the things they hyped up and patted themselves on the back for. They talked about it last year. So it was a thing up until last year. It feels like uh, maybe that thing is gone Too now. good for the Petroleum Cup now, aren't we, Steve? Maybe. It could be that. I'm wondering, like, you know, so we always talked about whether this Trillium Cup was such a, was a fabricated cup, which everyone believes to be the case, right? So, And so now they've dispensed with it, I feel, because they don't need the rivalry anymore. We've got other... We got other fish Bigger to fry. Bigger fish fry. New York City FC, and uh, according, but apparently we don't. We can't even beat <laughs> clearly, clearly, We can't beat a team that we don't know where they're going to play. Are they going to Austin or are they not? This is yeah. This is the new off-season oh. news. Was that they were supposed to move and they're still here and nobody knows what the hell's going on. And but they're still here. They're still Columbus. Still wearing yellow. Still oh, so may, I mean, maybe that's why they're downplaying it because there might not be a Trillium Cup anymore. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they thought they weren't supposed and, to be around. And Trillium, like, is, do they it, share a Trillium flower or something? I think they do. Okay. It's something like that. Okay, Anyways, well. so Steve, initial thoughts. I mean, we're MLS Cup reigning champs, and this is our first home game of, the, of our defending season. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, we, we're sort of stumbling over our words because there's so many things to talk about, and we don't even know where to start. And I feel... I feel like the better team did win today. Um, although, you know, it's hard to say that from a team that's the reigning champions with very little tinkering to the lineup. So usually when we come back to season openers, we're like looking at a whole new lineup, which we haven't been for the last three years because I feel like they've probably finally 
settled on that Jurgen Klinsmann thing when he said keep a team for at least three years, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, try have a little consistency. Yeah. So uh, yeah, give it a try. So that seems to be what they've done, and that worked, right? It paid off uh, in year two of that plan, uh, getting to the finals, and then year three winning the finals. Um, so. I was just recording all the different types of uh, chances that both teams had, and definitely Columbus outplayed us in terms of chances by at least double the amount in the first half. And And shots on target. Yeah, uh, and good chances, right? And I feel like we were focused on really trying to finesse the ball all the way too, like trying to get the for sure thing instead of just like, you know, just have a go, right? Um, And and so many times when, you know, we just would lose it, we're maybe playing too much emphasis on the for sure thing. You know, it's, you know, we're trying this game, to be picture perfect. You know, what right? this game reminded me of Steve. Do you remember having we did a podcast six, seven years ago, back when it was uh, Aaron, Aaron Vinter, and Tim saying, if the object of the game was to get the ball close to the net without it actually going in, we'd be the fucking world champs. And, I often, I often, you know refer, who that game I often was refer against? to this quote. You know who that game was against? Columbus? It was? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Which made me think about this. I was like, it felt like this we were watching. I mean, history repeating. They were literally, it felt like we were trying to walk the ball into the net, into goal, right? It yeah. was like we were looking for this beautiful link up when I thought Columbus was just trying to, you know, play a little more direct and just shoot the ball when they had the chance. You know, they cross it in where the ball needed to go. They were doing a more, I would say, a more simpler game. You know, they they weren't the ones who were trying to always. They're they're good on the counter. Uh, they're playing a strong game in terms of pressuring us. So we're trying to play these nice passes. We're trying to hold on to the ball and take our time. That's kind of our style at home. And they were having none of that, right? They they were on. That's that was my first observation of what we were up against was that they were coming with pressure right off the top. So our center backs, Mavinga, Zavaleta, Bradley, were not getting lots of time on the ball they were sending guys in right away to get at them. And I think that, and, and then and then you add in the fact that the pitch was a pile of shit. We couldn't make those sneaky passes. We couldn't, you know, find ways to dribble out of those situations because you're, you're dribbling past a player and you're dribbling through, you know, uneven ground. Things like that. Now, obviously, okay, both, so- teams, oh, both teams had to play on that, but I'm just saying, like, it, I think there was some things that were not to our advantage. As well, my last point about this game was, yeah. of course, you know, one team is coming into this game pretty fresh, you know what I mean? Like easing into the season, ready to go for the opener, and, and one of them already has played two games. So what we're talking about here, because this is the, the immediate question that comes to my mind, thinking Toronto's the team to beat, how can we lose to Columbus? There must be a reason. What is the reason, right? The question is, what is the reason? And we started, so you've already laid out three. I've tried them. to, yeah. You've laid out a couple. I mean, Columbus is a better team than I think a lot of people give credit to. I mean, we saw that in the, the semifinals. Right. So we've spoken about like the exhaustion of already having played uh, three games, two games, I guess. This in, is the third. Within a week or two, within two weeks. Yeah. And we're playing our fourth one in three more days or four more days, right? Yeah. So, I mean, and against uh, even a better team, which is uh, Tigres from uh, Mexico, right? The reigning champions. How are we going to be standing up to that, right? So yeah. uh, not really great to be going into that if that if this is the factor. But also the pitch, you're talking about the pitch. I'm thinking of, I was thinking of um, uh, the lineup. So the formation, we've got uh, two new players that were in the lineup uh, that didn't play on the game um, on Tuesday. Or didn't start. Didn't start on the game on Tuesday. One of them came in, uh, but the other 
the other didn't, and the other started came in la- la- later. Yeah, the yeah. Brazilian player, right? Uh, so I'm feeling like, um, you know, they, they haven't had time to gel. They they haven't been able to get into the the, the groove of this team. Um, I did feel like they they were pretty impressive, but I they were both on the same side, and I thought, oh, that's the maybe this is the side that's not working well. I feel like uh, there was um, something going. There's just so I feel like that gelling wasn't happening. But I also thought a couple of other things. Some of my other observations were so we didn't have Drew, Drew Moore in the back, mm-hmm. and uh, he's key to that spine that exists between you know you you start with Drew Moore, you go through Bradley, uh, Vasquez, Javinko, Altidore, right? That's the spine. So the spine wasn't intact. The so that back line looks so thin. Because the lineup didn't look different. I mean, it was four on the back, but with really two. And then these wing yeah. backs when were Bradley really was, playing like wing backs. They yeah. were so high up. And I thought, okay, they're getting too full of themselves because now everyone's playing full like forward. And so that works, I guess, if you're Ajax and you know the whole object is to score more goals than you get scored against you, right? But we were not Ajax and we weren't playing like Ajax. <laughs> except that we were in some ways. Like so I noticed that the defensive thing. So you were talking about how they put pressure on us whenever we got the ball. But I noticed that we were working well in terms of that. We every time that there was a turnover and I thought, you know, this I've noticed it particularly with Vandervel is that Whenever he lost the ball, he made sure he got the ball back, which is seems to be the Ajax tradition, right? That's yeah. sort of the Barcelona strategy. Is you know you work and work, you have five seconds to get that ball back after if you've lost it, and he did that pretty well. And I feel like the other team did that well. The thing I noticed about Columbus is that they shifted laterally every time, so they didn't actually have a full lineup going forward, and they let us sit back a little bit. They didn't pressure us when we were in our end, and we were in our end a lot passing the ball back and forth, trying to get laterally through. And you could see, like, Columbus was shifting laterally with us. They were like a locked machine. It was fantastic, actually, to watch in terms of formation. That was was actually a clinic in formation and how to shift. Well, I don't don't know if you noticed as well, one other thing about that pressure was that when we would would get come down the either flank, Mm -hmm. and you know how we like to work it, whether it's, you know, the the right back will overlap and come up that way. Maybe Vasquez will support. They would then load up that side of the field. Yeah. Like they would start crowding in that corner. So if we thought we were going to work. congestion. Yeah. If we were going to try to work it down the line, we had nowhere to go. And, you know, triple teaming at times. So if, if Vanderveel or, or even Zavaleta were, were sort of isolated along that side or, or Vasquez, there's three guys in there trying to block out any exit. And the only way to do it was to go further back. And you saw Bono had, so much of the ball. I mean, it was old school. I mean, we, we had a hearkening back to 2011 when our, our Stefan Fry was was had the ball on his foot like every yeah every 30 seconds. Yeah, I mean, we saw a lot more from Bono today. Yeah. Right? Um, the other thing I was thinking of is that you, when you're talking now about the congestion, um, I'm thinking that, you know, like chess, soccer is won and lost through the middle, right? And so uh, if you can if you can control that middle, then you've got it. And we gave up the middle. We were working the flanks, so we were trying. I mean, you know, you 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 adjust your strategy based on how the other team's playing, and I think we let Columbus have the middle, yeah, which may be part of our downfall. And and when you see Columbus, because goals, who can score? It's harder to score from the sides. It's harder to score from the flanks. It's easier to score from the center. Well, yeah, and, and you can make a case that both their goals. I mean, their goal was Iguain came through the middle for the first goal, 
and Santos set up the, the second goal through the middle. Yeah. Um, so you could make a, you could make a case for that that we weren't as strong there as we should have been. Yeah, but I also felt like you know because you had Zavaleta and Mavinga yep. as the only two, like they sort of played a diamond right with Bradley in front of them, and so that was the diamond, and then the wingbacks were gone. Like they were, I mean, you know, they ran both ends, but like we were we were light. Yeah, we were light. And that's fair. I mean, if, if more, but that's was- how that's how that you saw how I mean the first goal was like a. Was a diagonal cross that came uh, that came back uh, a lateral cross from mm-hmm. that one player to Iguan, and where was the coverage? And the same thing happened. Mavinga got caught, you know, with that diagonal through ball, and we got caught in both of them because we were too light in the back. Yeah, that's all I'm thinking. Yeah, I think I think that it just. I mean, we might go. I don't know if we're going to go through it like that, but I mean, I could. Both those goals, I think, us could be summarized in you know Bradley. Bradley had a lapse that let Iguan get a step on him. And you could probably say Bono should have done a bit better. The ball, and, the ball was shot almost right and at And maybe him. they had a loss because they were doing too much work, right? That's yeah. kind of, and that's a fault of the formation. So I'm thinking, like, I'm that's I'm blaming the formation. Yeah. And, and so Mavinga's, we're looking for the reasons. Yeah. I want to insert that formation was one of those reasons. Yeah. And that's I would mention on the on the second goal. I mean, Mavinga is one of his greatest strengths is, is his athleticism. Yeah. And uh, this might have been one and of And we saw it. I mean, we did see him. He stopped. Uh, he but, did that great sliding tackle. Yes. And this is one of those opportunities where a guy like Yassi Zardes yeah. might, might make a case being more athletic than him. Yeah. And he beat, and he beat him on a – like he beat him. He had a step on him. Yeah. Which is rare. And, and Mavinga is a guy that is very good at that. Um, he might be – he might get caught a step behind, but he's so good he at can regaining it. Yeah. And this was one where he, he couldn't. Yeah. And and we got punished for it. I don't, Steve. Do you want to? Do you want to like? Do we, should, we should run through some of these players because I think one thing we we're talking about too was the plays of this game and how some performances went because that was the the preview was looking at a lot of these guys and discussing them. And Wait, now you want to do a performance them. evaluation? So, well, something like that. Like yeah, as sure, we talk about the game and talk about the players that that affected okay. this outcome. Uh, and of course, I mean, I think what people want to know about are the the new players. And one was um, Akeche. Uh, the Spaniard number eight, and and sort of like I'm thinking like when we look at maybe uh, Vanderveel or so he was brought in. He was brought in on Tuesday as a yes. sub, and, he, and looked, he, start- he looked lively in that game. Yeah, and he started this game. Yeah, so we're thinking you know he's graduating into the starting eleven. Yeah, right. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, well, here's my thoughts. Is my thoughts is you know wh- where where does he fit and who is he is he supposed to be replacing anyone? You know when I think he's wearing number eight, and when I think of number eight from the last few years, I think of Benoit Cheru. He is. That is a. Those are two pairs of boots, big boots okay, to fill, right? But I don't think he's. I, I feel like Vasquez is Sheru's boots, right? Like yeah. I feel like but, they brought in Vasquez to be that. You know, so this is something else we didn't mention. Vasquez get in, gets injured in the second half. Yes. So the, the damage was done by then. By yes. the time Vasquez left, because they would have right. had right at the end of the first half and right at the start of the second half. Yeah, but they didn't. So Vasquez could have performed. I feel like he, so he got injured at the beginning of the second half. Uh, at the fiftieth minute, he came out. I'm thinking, you know, Vasquez is our link man. And so if we were trying to get back into the game, we had lost our link man by the time that we were ready to play, right? So, you know, the time that they had smartened up, it was too late because they didn't have a Vasquez. Yeah. Because he becomes the the diamond in the midfield uh, that becomes a server for Giovinco and Altidore, right? Mm-hmm. And so now you don't have that player. Like they, So they brought in... Uh, Delgado for Osorio. Osorio sort of trying to do that work, I think, because uh, Akeche is trying to get used to the team. I feel like Akeche was like not bad. He was uh, he was able to make plays. I don't feel like he's uh, a terrible player. I think he's a good player. I think he's a starting eleven player. But 
Um, I don't think he's the guy who they like. I think Vasquez fills that service role that yeah. Sheru did, like because he's the linchpin, right? Yeah. Sheru is a linchpin. Same with Vasquez. Yeah. You know, as to replacing Delgado, I'm not sure. Me neither. Well, this is my. Got to see more play from. Yeah, him, right? that's. I mean, that's. I agree with that. The one thing I would say. So my my first statement on a catch. But he played game, on the same side as Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. So I'm feeling like there's two new players there, and Vanderbilt plays like a wing back, and he was running at times. He was doing stuff. So at times he was fitting in, and at times he wasn't fitting in, right? Yeah. And I felt like he was a little bit lost. And so that's where you that whole idea of like the chemistry or the that hadn't been worked out yet, and it was yeah. too soon. I feel, and they shouldn't have gotten. Maybe he shouldn't have gotten a full game. I feel like maybe he could have come out uh, for somebody else. Yeah, and I think I think this. I mean, if we're looking back, of course, hindsight twenty twenty, you could you might have been able to make a case that maybe Del, it would have been better for a Delgado start and, and a catcher coming in like we saw. Yeah, uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, and and I think now if I would say one thing in defensive a because I didn't think he had a great game. You know, in fact, I thought he turned over the ball quite a bit. I think I think one of the stories for Toronto's game was just gross turnovers, like just stu- you know Jovinko had some awful ones. Osorio had a few terrible ones. Akeche had quite a few. Um, and and, ba- and on Akeche, I would say you know or those a lot of players where I've the first couple games I've not been super impressed. Well, they've gone on to do well, um, and we've seen a lot of players who have come here in the last couple of years. You know, I mean Jovinko wasn't lights out right off the hop. Um, Vasquez wasn't lights out right off the hop. So I'm, I'm hoping that's the case, that he's just getting getting his feet wet, so to speak. And we see a lot better things from him because obviously one of his strengths is that left foot. And we saw it on display right before he got subbed out is that he's, he's amazing from set pieces and he can score from distance. And if you give him that, that space in the middle of the park, he'll go for it. And he did, and it was almost an exciting moment for us. Mm-hmm. Okay, so should we move on? Yeah. Vanderveers? Vanderveel. Vanderveel. Uh, Gregory Vander, W-E-I-L, Vanderveel, isn't it? Something like that. It's Veal. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was, I mean, again, not, it's one first game. So I don't know how much, how how in-depth we can go. But I would say, you know, some things I was. So so he replaces Betashore. More or less, yeah. So compare him to Betashore. I think he's better than Betashore. I think he's got better pace. He's got better awareness. I said this in the preview that, I, one thing I, I think Bittisher always had this awkwardness to him and you didn't know whether he was going to make the play or not and so I don't think people counted on him but I feel like he this Vanderbilt I think he has confidence I think he had, you talked about his pace so we saw him outpace a lot of people mm-hmm. he did run out of I, I'm not sure about his fitness yeah. I feel like uh, he needs to get that because he's probably playing from a different season right and he hardly played so, so he's coming from Serie A where I think he only had five he games. looked winded a t- couple of times is what I'm going to say when he did lose it, he worked hard to get it back. So, and he didn't lose it much, which I would say Betashore was more guilty of. Yeah, and you know what? The one thing I, I said this in the the preview about Vanderbilt, you know, aside from the first impression that we had, him, I thought was was pretty good. You know, the one thing that he brings to this team, uh, and I guess you know you could say when we we talk through this game, Jovinko to an extent as well as background at Juventus and a team that has a culture of winning. Vanderbilt's a player who you know until he left for for Turkey. Uh, you know, at Ajax and then at PSG, you know, I said, oh, he knows he's been on teams where he's won back to back, which I think that might be part of, I'm thinking a reason why they brought him in. Like, well, yeah, we were talking about Vanny's curricular condition. I think it's like sort of his uh, standard. He needs like, you need to meet that standard. Right. And it's like, you know, you, don't, you bring in a guy who's, who's always been in the middle of the table team or you bring in a guy who's won titles. And, and the funny thing is, you know, I said that. It's so like you look at actually, 
He won, he won six titles in a row. Oh. Back-to-back at Ajax, and then he goes to PSG, and then he wins four in a row on the bounce there. So he had this stretch from, I think, 2010 to 2016 where he, he every team he played for won the title. Ah. Um, so if anything— He knows what it takes to win. Yeah, or in, and knows what it takes to, to not, I guess, to come back the second year and do the same thing again. So the question I want to ask is, so we've talked about Betashore, but like the question I want to ask is, um, at the expense of Drew Moore or— so at the expense of Nick Hagland first, let me ask that because, you know, I feel like we suffered from our set pieces by not having Nick Hagland in there. Hagland and Moore, right? They're both both quite quite good area. Yeah. So the the next question is Moore, right? Yeah. So because I feel like Drew Moore is even more serious, right? So do we keep Vanderville in at the expense of those two players or any one of those two players or particularly Drew Moore? Because Drew Moore, I feel like is. You know, I feel like the whole backline rests on him. Right? Yeah, and I think and I feel like it's organized around him. Like I, I mean, not that I, we saw a disorganization today because we didn't. We didn't witness that, but we did see thinning. So I feel like you know, does this line work without that? Like, uh, and can Bradley be the soak up of the pressure of the absence of the middle? Right? Maybe not because yeah. it doesn't look like it. I, I'm not faulting Bradley because I think he played a great game, but he had to play a great game. Um, and you know when when those things came through the middle, we didn't see it as a fault of Bradley. We just like noticed that it was just empty. But yeah. that was actually the fault of not having that person in the middle, which was Bradley's fault. Drew Moore seems to be a significant missing piece out of this Vanderbilt story. Well, and I, I wonder though if if I mean this is what we're seeing right now because he's Vandy's doing rotation, um, and we're going to see Moore on Wednesday night. Yeah, you know, I, I, and, and then it's now the question is what is this formation? Is this, uh, you know, is this sort of like a, you know, is this strategic based on our opponent? Does he say, shit, you know, we are just too good with the, on the the five three two or the three five two or whatever you want to call it? Uh, we just aren't seem to we can't play the same with a four four two. So I'm gonna have to go back and we're gonna do three center backs like we did before. Um, but the question I want to ask is, you know, does the tinkering should the tinkering be happening in the season in the league games or should it be happening in the in these cup games? Well, I think. You're asking me, but you're asking me what I think. But I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I think is happening. I think the, the, I, I know that that's what you know, and I agree with you. That they're that's going what, for the, they're going for the Champions League. They're going for the Champions League right now, and I think they're willing to. I think they're willing to roll the dice on the MLS games at the start of the year, hoping that it corrects itself as well with a one month break in June to kind of rest and get things refocused. I think that's. I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see them really put yes, all their chips. But I don't on. feel like everybody else feels that. That's no, the they won't. Part. Right, so yeah. that's why I'm asking it because I feel like that might not be what everyone else thinks. No, and I think I guess you know we'll see come Wednesday. I think I think Toronto right now is looking at Tigres. I think that was you know, and it's not. It's not I'm not making an excuse for this performance. I'm just saying uh, if they were if they were looking at this beginning of the season when they have Colorado, you have Columbus, and then you have Tigres possibly after that. I think they're going to say, yeah, Tigres is the one we're going to have to really we're really going to have to be focused on, and, and that's probably why we didn't see Drew Moore today. Okay, so we haven't. The one thing we haven't mentioned about was the absence of the twelve player. Oh yeah, sure. So what happened there? You, you know something about this? Well, you, we could talk about it as a sights and sounds, but I also feel like it's a factor in the game. So what happened? Because you know the story behind this, and I don't. You well, I mean, me about it we all know that the you know one of the I don't know this one of the great well, one of happened. the great moments of the final was right come to coming to the ninetieth minute. South End lights up. Oh, right. That's lights when it got, up. That's when it became... And it was a, you know, it was a moment that, you know, can't be... Savored. Yeah, it was incredible, man. Like you, Look, you, it reflected that, the atmosphere and the, the... Yeah, it did. It was fantastic. Right? It was yeah. great to see flares go off and it's like, yeah, fuck the, fuck the rules and whatever. Like, it's just but about I didn't know this celebration. Is a rule. I didn't know this is a rule in MLS. 
No flares, man. I didn't realize this. No flares. Well, so, we've had flares. So, yeah, we have. Not supposed to. And that's why we have but smokes ha- that have are other controlled. Teams, have other teams had flares? Uh, not not anymore, I don't think. Really? Without punishment. Not without punishment, that's for sure. Well, we don't get punished every time we bring light a flare. We haven't lit a flare in a long time. We've let off smoke bombs, which are controlled in a canister that's been approved. But we haven't done MLS proofed or MLS yeah, 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 yeah. no, okay. no, I think both. Okay. I think both. I think that I think the flare issue was from you know many many years ago. We we had some flares. And Do you they think were, it really contributed to the result of the game? The game was over already. What are you talking about? The final. Yeah, the but flare. no, but it added the atmosphere. It added to the moment. I, I know, but what I'm saying is like you know like the, I guess the complaint would be that you couldn't see, so then like oh, Seattle sure. yeah, couldn't yeah, yeah, score, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I guess you think that's a valid complaint? No, it's no whatever. It's not ridiculous. It's, it is ridiculous. Let's not forget because but, in other leagues. In leagues that we look to to be good leagues, they run, they, they play these, they sh- the flares are part of the game. Yes. So, yes, it seems yes, ridiculous, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. But it's so what happened? Oh, so anyways, uh, as 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 we would have expected, or as people were um, were expecting, especially in those supporters groups, that there was. I mean, this was a, this wasn't just a TFC game. This was an MLS game because it was the final. So those all the MLS people on hand, such same as like whatever, to like witness security guy and whoever the rule and regulations guys, they were all there. To, so to they witnessed the breach in protocol. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I think the team uh, or the supporters, especially, I think this was an Ebriati who let the let the flares. They were expecting a heavy suspension or fine or some sort of recourse. And I guess our, you know we've we've made jokes about Bill Manning and whatever, but it sounds like he came through. Yeah, for, he for went supporters. to the wall for us. And uh, they, I think it sounds like, if I'm not mistaken, it's a two-game suspension in terms of all the the things that they're allowed to but, do. But initially it was like something like a six-game suspension, wasn't it? I think that's what they might have been expecting. Okay. And I don't know if that's what they was, was pitched, but I think it was going to be more severe. So there's a lot of hearsay here. Yes. We don't know the story, but we welcome, no, and maybe, we maybe, welcome anything that anyone knows. Yeah, because there's, there's a couple of guys from there that I know on Twitter and DM me or email me. So they can, they're can they more than happy for, to, to get that straight the next podcast and they might reach out to me. But yeah, I think it was it was going to be a heavier suspension. And it looks like, and it looks like the other supporters groups in solidarity also because it said, you know, well, then we will join you and no one will ha- bring their flags in and we'll go through these two games together, which was, I guess, a cool thing to see. So, yeah, the, I mean, there was singing, obviously, but that was it. Just but standing no drum? Seven. No, I didn't like this drum. No, no clap. Viking clap. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. This is So this is what I'm thinking about the 12th man. I mean, because that also brings everyone together, right? The Viking clap sort of around the 70th minute. Sort of, and that's when we needed a rally, right? Yeah. Depending on how we're playing, there might be one in the first half too. Uh, there wasn't though. There was nothing. We could have used it. Yeah, there was nothing. That's all I'm in saying. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it, I think it, that had. I'm a, saying there was lots of absences. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. What next, Steve? Pomp and circumstance. Yes. Can we call it this? Yes. Let's call and, it. And that will tie. That will, of course, tie into the game. So at the beginning of the game, we get presented, we get the presentation. Uh, so they uh, trot out um, past glory, glory players. Uh, New videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so Dwayne De Rosario brings out the what cup would he bring out? Dwayne brought out the Voyager uh, Cup. Voyager cup, yeah. And then Danny Dicchio brings out the supporter shield yeah. and Benoit Cheru, newly newly retired and yeah. U seventeen coach. So sad to see him there. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it that he was there, though. Yeah, uh, brings out the MLS Cup, and um, 
Oh, and they played a they played a recap of the final game. We get all the fireworks. Yeah, a recap of the final game after that presentation. There just seemed like a, a lot of ceremony. I'm not even sure that, that was MLS approved, <laughs> but I digress. Yeah. Um. So it probably was because those are all their cups, really, except for the Voyager Cup. We get the fireworks, and I'm just like, we're back to old tricks. I'm thinking this is kind of. Uh, you know, celebrating before we've done anything, which is what other people in the stadium were saying, right? They were saying the same thing. Julie was talking to you about this. She yeah. shouldn't have lit off the firecrackers. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Shouldn't we save those for after the game? Yeah, yeah. shouldn't we yeah. save them for after the game? We should. Well, we've been saying that for the last we have. three years. We have. When they started doing this excessively, anyway. But there was somebody else saying this. What, what did you hear? Well, it sounds like uh, the, the sound bites coming out of the, the result of this game was that Jovinko, I mean, made a point of that. Saying, so what was his point? Well, his point was that if I if I, I think it's I'm, a, I'm a paraphrasing. it's a different take, right? Well, yeah, it was kind of like this was not good that we started our first game of the season with so much, you know, showing the trophies, reliving the game, you know, living kind of I guess you know I'm paraphrasing, being like living in 2017, living on past laurels. Yeah, when we're sitting, we're starting 2018. It's and he go, and he kind of said it was a bad mentality to start this game, kind of like patting ourselves on the back for a win three months ago Yeah, when we really need to be focused on we have nothing right now. So this is the other factor. This is why I wanted to bring this up and not as just the sights and sounds but I feel like this is also a factor that we w- that hasn't been talked about yet and this is the attitude of going into this game. Last year we started off the season with everything to prove. Uh. This year we are the team to beat. Teams are coming to us we're like so. We last year we approached every game as like we, we've beaten this team and we're beating them. Like we've got something to prove. And this year, it's like, what are we proving now? We're gonna prove how beautiful we can make a goal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's totally the wrong. Like it's we are not that hungry team that we were last year. We're not the team that has something to show that we got robbed and we've got to win and we got to show them that we can win at everything. Yeah. We're not that team that we don't have that mentality, which is an important mentality to have. Yeah. It's a uh, you know a mind a mind force or something. It's like it's the attitude, right? Yeah. So so I feel like this attitude was missing. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want. I don't think you could say we don't have it, but we have to prove that we do. But, and, the, and we have, we but these shows, these shows of celebration don't help us yeah. get there, right? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And I don't, I don't, and, I, f- and I think that that's what Giovinco was saying. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Especially because I remember that article that he did for the Globe and Mail, and he they, when they did that profile piece on him, and he, he was talking about his loser tattoo. He said, That's me, I'm a loser. You know, it's the underdog spirit, right? That's what I feel like he was trying to describe to the reporter at the time. So I feel like, you know, you need to have that uh, that underdog spirit. Yeah. And he had a game that was somewhat unusual. Yeah, uh, but he had good chances. And he had good and, chances. But, you know, I think one thing that sort of summarized the character. And like, then there's well, the time where he's, like, going in on net and, and he passes him when he shoots I think, I think yeah. that, I, But I think that moment really uh, encapsulates kind of, like, what this game – it was, like, what is going on? You know, yeah. it's kind of like that. It's like, what the, like, this is not the team from last year. And then it, this is not they the didn't take their chan- They didn't take their chances. No, and, the, and it's like this, and the, the final explanation part on this result was that Jovinko, 1v1 with the keeper – a clin- you know, in, in all in most cases, a clinical finisher decides to pass it off. Yeah, it was odd. It was very, very odd. You know what I mean? Just very that was a very strange moment where the last three years, 
you know he would have he would have rolled it he would have bent it low around him and just put that away and he he started to square it off to Josie it was like what the fuck yeah yeah so something was and it's I guess that speaks to the mentality right like his mentality was not on point where he was hungry yeah to be <laughs> selfish it didn't that wasn't the only time that happened in the game that no. Brazilian player what's his name R Aro Junior Aro Junior had a whole open net and decides to pass it to Josie, who's fallen on the ground oh, in the yeah, middle yeah, yeah. into traffic instead of shooting it right on that. He had a hole up in that. I was just like, it happened multiple times. It was like, it was like, that was the modus operandi. It was different. It was like, right, and even Akechi had a moment where we were like, why didn't he just hammer it in? No, they he all tries had, to pass it. We had a crossbar. We had a post. We had two posts. I mean, I, yeah, as, yeah. as Tim Vickery says. Yeah. But I the would, object of the game was to get as close as you can without scoring. We would have won. We would have won that game, yeah. And you know, another thing I would I would would add to this result, because um, you know we're kind of putting that context. And Dino was saying, you know, we should have had four goals maybe in this game. Yeah. And it's like, yes, but I mean, this was a game where that would have been luck if we, you know what I mean? Like we, I don't think we deserved to come away with three points this game, uh, especially the way Columbus played, uh, and the and the fact that they buried their chances. Yeah, the right team won tonight. Yeah, as sad as it is for me to say. Yeah, and so in, in so do we look? Do we discuss what's ahead of us now, Steve? I guess. I mean, we, well, we've already sort of mentioned a little bit about the Concacaf, Concacaf Champions League, the next round. So yes. we're into the next round, and uh, Tigris uh, from Monterey, uh, reigning champions, it, reigning champions, two years in a row. So, that, so I let me just they, they're of the Mexican Cha- League. Champions League. I think runners up. Two years in a row, and they won the Apertura season in Mexico back to back. So they're the reigning, the reigning because they have they split the seasons in two there, and so the season there's currently a season they're in right now. So they're winding down a season as Toronto's starting up their season. That's always the disadvantage too for this Champions League is that Mexican teams and some of the Central American teams are are already like you know full swing, completely in form. Whereas MLS teams are starting their season at this point, right? So I mean, Tigres are. You look at the the key thing that to, I would Toronto. This is this is what this is the task. You have Andre Pierre uh, Gignac, who was from Marseille, now is at playing at Tigres, and he's been incredible since he's come to Liga MX. Enter Valencia, who some might remember. I think uh, was it, I think he was at Pachuca, but he went to West Ham. Uh, and then you have Eduardo Vargas, from the, the Chilean uh, player, who's also done well there. So there's a sort of like a triumvirate of sort of like international World Cup caliber players uh, or World Cup team players who are sort of the the fulcrum of this team that, I mean, I think they could, they will, they'll have no problem finishing their chances if Toronto serves them up. So it's going to be a huge challenge to, to make this a decent result. Yeah. To, to, go into, to go into Mexico and not be down. Yeah. Especially what we saw today. Yeah, and uh, and coming out of this game too, right? So maybe maybe coming out of this game, this uh, spanking that we had will sort of fix our heads a bit. But well, we'll see, right? I mean, is it a wake up call? We don't know, right? Um, the playoffs kind of serve. You, you can't fix us. the pitch because the pitch is in terrible shape, and it won't be fixed by oh, by God. Wednesday, right? Yeah. So in four days, there's no way that that pitch is going to get better because uh, it was pretty dug up. And I and you you know, I don't know if you noticed, but you could see seams, right? Um, yes. Where the plates came together, so I'm just like, oh. I mean, there was there Looks was like it was falling apart. Though, there was tackles where it was like grass you know, was coming up. Yeah, like it, <laughs> divots were there. They were forming. Yeah, it was like there a was golf like, course, right? When you just chunk out. Yeah, 
a huge divot. And yeah. the only thing I would say potentially is an advantage. The is, weather. Well, I'd say is we have we've had two games on this pitch, and Tigers have had none. So we and we might have a you know familiarity on how shit this is. And then, of course, the weather might be a factor. But the weather's going to affect both of us. And so I've been, you know, as much as I keep talking about the weather being in our favor, I don't think it is because, like, it's hard to run. Your muscles start cramping in this kind of weather. And so it's a disadvantage for both teams, right? But more so probably for Mexico. I, I mean, we played, in, we played in minus 15 in Colorado. We did. I think we're. I think it's balmy here. Yes, it might not be an advantage, but I think we're more prepared <laughs> for it than a Mexican team is going to be. Sure. And if tradition holds... They don't. They don't play well up here, from Canada. You know, from Canada playing Mexico in Edmonton, and us getting results in those games to hopefully this one. So, this is no Edmonton, though. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's definitely no. It's definitely not. Not this time. We're not here, a winterland. Sure. Uh, is there anything else? Well, Steve, do we want to talk about anything else before we wind this out? Uh, I don't know. Uh, next game's coming up, so we're playing Montreal after that. In the league yeah, game. Yes, away game the Montreal, and then the seventeenth. And so I'm thinking the Tigris game is before that, probably. Yes. So the game is in three days. Oh, and then the second one, you mean? The second leg. Yeah. The home leg for them will be before probably the game against Montreal. Yeah. So we're still going to be traveling a lot, probably exhausted, going into the Montreal game, playing at the Big O in Montreal. Yep. And then we're back uh, at the stadium at the end of the month, on the 31st. Yeah, so I guess that's that's spaced out again, that in case we get past Tigres, we're probably playing again midweek. So that's that's why our, our start of our schedule looks the way it does. And then it's Real Salt Lake on a Friday, if I'm not mistaken, at the end of the month is our next home game. Crazy. It's bonkers. Remember, Steve, no backpacks. <laughs> Don't bring your backpack. <laughs> I'm, I was glad to see you brought your little... I brought uh, two bags. Yeah, your, to just, make up just for a it. little 14 by 14 inch by 6 deep bag. I brought it in. Yeah, no problem. Nobody said anything Still to was me. slow getting in. We had the slowest security person... That, that no backpack rule has Re- not fixed the problem no. of entrance. And don't, let anyone th- don't let anyone tell you it's bullshit. It's a security issue. It's not a security issue. It's too many people complained about how slow it took to get in the stadium last year, and that's uh, that's the fault of security because they're too slow. So MLSE created both of these problems. It's ridiculous. You know what they should do? You know what they should do? I was thinking, it's like, why don't you just designate one gate for, for bag entrance? Yeah. So if you if you need because that was a, a complaint that I saw online with it, which was I think is totally valid, especially with a lot of games on Friday nights. Is people, people are, are coming, coming straight from work. from work, yeah. And a lot of people this day and age don't always work in the office, right? Or if they're going to the office, they're on flex hours and they have a computer. You tell me how to carry a computer in a little bag like you brought in, or checking it. You think I'm going to check a computer? <laughs> no thanks. Right? Yeah. And I'm certainly not throwing my computer on the field. So yeah. I mean that that's not a problem. Like that's not. What yeah, you don't have is. to worry about that, right? For so, sure. I think that was there's like if anyone agrees or disagrees, I'm like just why don't you designate one of the gates being like if you're coming in with backpacks, this is where you can enter. Everyone else goes through every other gate. Yeah, this is not a fix. No, it's stupid, and I don't believe that. It's they said it's a security issue. I don't buy that for one second because three months ago we were yeah. able to come in with backpacks. Yeah. So. Anyways, I think that's. Uh, I think that wraps it up. Yeah, pretty much, Steve. So, I guess we'll see you. We'll talk again. Yeah, I, I don't I'll know when. Fi- we'll figure out if we can get it through the week, or uh, we're waiting till Mon- till Montreal on the seventeenth. And by then, we'll have plenty more to talk about. Lots more to talk about. So, we'd uh, like to hear from you. Yes, have you your get, say. Yeah, have your say or info or at Clark RNO on Twitter. And uh, like we said, we're we're at CAUT, so everyone knows where to find Steve. We plug him all the time. Yeah, Sunday nights at ten. 
And uh, we'll leave it there, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. Catch you next time. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree. It doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online from the Black Hole. Ours is the Fury in our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. They'll understand you, for you are him.